Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Wow, a sermon has already been preached. They say one of the most powerful sermons that you'll ever hear is seeing someone's life. And so for the Duns, thank you um, for sharing. And, and Morgan, thank you um, for sharing with us today. We are in our second week of our Advent Conspiracy Sermon Series. And we are conspiring. How can we reclaim the true meaning of Christmas together? Last week we talked about worship And worship particularly within the Advent and the Christmas season. And for some reason, worship during this time seems to be difficult. When actually this should be the easiest time for us to come and to worship Christ together. So today we're going to talk about the second practices. There's four practices in this conspiracy. And today it is on spending less. And I'm no Scrooge and I'm not the Grinch. It's not like I don't like presents. I love gifts. If you know me, I'm a gift giver. I mean, if I could be like Oprah and say, hey, look under your seats right now. You guys all get new cars. I'd do it, but then I'd anyway. I'd love to do that. But I imagine that spending less is hard for most of us because it's during the holidays that we seem to be the neediest. I mean, we want to love others well, and we want to feel that love also. And what comes with it is this kind of pressure. And at times, we can almost feel like desperate trying to, to meet this. And so what do we do? We, fault, we default to spending more. I want to share with you a couple statistics up here. And start with the top one. And that is that in Northern America and Western Europe, 12% of the world's population is right there. And yet, in that area, we consume 60% of the world's resources. 12% of the population consumes 60% of the world's resources. And then the bottom numbers, another statistic, and this is even more humbling. In South Asia and in Africa, 
33% of the world's population lives, and they consume 3% of the world's resources. 3% of the world's resources for a third of the population? Consumerism is defined as a social economic order based on fostering a desire to purchase goods and services in even greater amounts. And the key phrase there is, in even greater amounts. You see, consumerism, the whole message is based on the idea that you and I are dissatisfied with what we have. But if we get more, we might be more satisfied. If we get the next best thing. And that's why it's in the month of December that it's now more known as a time where we build up debt and consumerism reaches a peak rather than a time to celebrate that God has come near to us in Jesus Christ. And so it's into a similar culture that, of consumerism that Paul spoke in his day of age. Paul writes this letter to, to a young leader named Timothy. And he's commissioning Timothy to go to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital of Asia Minor. And it was the, the commercial center of that time. So it would be like New York or Chicago or L.A. or D.C. It would be the place where everybody went to do business. And because of that, the people there were very wealthy. And the people in the church were wealthy. So it's in this, this context that Paul is speaking. And he's telling the church, to, he expects them to be generous. But he's seeing that their desire is leaning towards the riches of this world. <clears throat> in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, there's two ways to look at money and our possession. One is to always long for more. The other is to be content with what we have. And then in verse 7, we see that Paul says, We brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. He's trying to help people have an eternal perspective instead of just a temporary perspective. Verse 8, we read, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Here Paul is saying in a sense that there should be some basic level of contentment when we have our basic needs that are met. And after hearing uh, uh, Morgan and Nick and Luann share this morning um, about the children in Rwanda and how they were, they were more than content. They were content with what they were given. And on top of their contentment, there was just this praise and thankfulness to God and a joy, and yet they had so little. What a powerful and yet humbling example for us. Paul goes on to say then, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
See, when we're not content, we easily fall into this temptation that, well, I'll just go spend more and more, and maybe that will make those around me happier, or if not, at least it will make me happier. I mean, we just buy right into the Kool-Aid that consumerism is giving us. I mean, the advertisers must just love it. Financial advisor Dave Ramsey loves to say this. People this time of year love to spend money that you don't have on stuff you don't need to impress people who don't like you anyways. It's a great summary and so much truth to it. And when we do that, this debt can start to pile and, and the ruin and the destruction can be just lurking around the corner. And that's not just necessarily financially, but that can be relationally too of the destruction that can happen. And then in verse 10, for the love of money is a root. Sometimes we, we tend to say, kind of go, it is the root of all evil, but it's, it is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Now money in and of itself is not bad, but the text is saying here, the love, it's, the, it's about the love of money. When we are fueled by greed, then our desires for riches becomes greater than our desire for God. And so after this heaviness that kind of Paul is sharing with Timothy, he then gives Timothy a charge. Beginning in verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides for us everything we need for our enjoyment. You know, nobody seems to know where to draw the line about who is rich and who's not rich. If you ask a rich person, are you rich? They're probably going to look at you and go, no. Most everyone here would probably say, well, I'm not rich. Because if we look around this room, we're comparing ourselves with those around us. But what if we compared ourselves to those in Rwanda? Then it's a different story, right? Then we recognize that we're all wealthy in comparison to that. So now that we've placed ourselves in the wealthy category, Paul says for those who are rich, and now that we've established that that would be all of us, do not put your hope in wealth. Do not depend on the wrong things. When we put our hope in wealth and material items, it undermines our trust in God. Because we're saying on this hand, I trust God, but really I'm saying that because I have a big old slump of sum of money in my bank account. And if anything comes up, I'll just be taken care of that way. It undermines it. And there's no clear statement of this truth in Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24, when he, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. What a verse that we need to hear this time of year. Paul then says the, is to put our hope in God. 
that when we put our hope in God, we recognize that every good gift comes from Him. Again, what I love about what was shared this morning is that they said that those children, that those families, the first thing they did was they praised and they thanked God because they recognized it was God who had provided for them. And when we do that, we can learn to live with grateful hearts and open hands. So whatever God gives us, that we can share and be generous to others. That our source of enjoyment, that our source of strength comes from Christ. It doesn't come from what we have or what we don't have. And then it says, what do we do in response to this? In verse 18, let's look at these last two verses here. Command them to, to do good and to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, and this is where Paul is referring back to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about storing up treasures in heaven. It says, in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of life, that which is truly life. And I just love this part where it says, be rich in good deeds. Earlier he was saying that, that money is a root of all kinds of evil. And it's like right here he flips that word rich upside down. And he's saying be rich in good deeds. Another part I love about this is that we can all do that. We can all be rich in good deeds. We can all be rich in kindness. People can see Christ in us in this time and all the business, everything that's going on. When you're just kind and you're patient. And sharing that with others. Being generous, willing to share. He's saying then that, that when we are content, that when we are rich, that when we are generous and willing to share, when our hope is in God, not in possessions, not in our wealth, then we take hold of true life. I want to encourage you. This again is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to encourage you to spend some time with this scripture this week. It's challenging. And it's like this is not an uplifting scripture or, or even sermon, Ted. Why do you want to spend more time in it? I just want to encourage you to do it because I think it centers us on what Christmas is all about. Because if we haven't hit it yet, the avalanche of, avalanche of consumerism is about to hit us. Right? I mean, we're, the, the miserable traffic is already miserable if you're... I didn't go into the stores, but I just drove by stores, and it took forever. The lines are going to get longer, right? The parking lots are going to be just insane. And you know what? It's not going to stop us. We're going to still go out and say, i got to keep spending. i got to get more stuff. This, this Christmas, I want to encourage you and myself included to examine our hearts and to pray that God would reveal where, where we are spending money in, in, in ways that he would desire us to. And then also reveal to us ways that we're not. That we would pray that God would help us to be generous. That, that we would pray that the Holy Spirit would work through us in such a powerful way. That it would be so evident that we are rich in good deeds. I want us to pray that as a church... That generosity will abound. 
and that we will continue to use the money that God has entrusted us with to further the gospel and to make Christ look like the ultimate treasure that he is. See, the Advent conspiracy is all about being deliberate and taking a different way in how to approach Christmas. So what does that mean? It means saying, saying no to overspending, saying no to excessive gifts, gifts, saying no to impulse buying. Hey, I'm just hanging out online at night, buy this, buy that. Just say no. Less time at the mall. Less time trying to live up to other people's expectations. Less time trying to, believe, to, to fall into that lie that says, if I give more, then someone's going to love me more. Less time thinking that if I have more stuff, I'm going to be happy. Less time focused on ourselves. Remembering it's not about us. And when we do this, when we spend less, we're going to find, I believe, it's going to simplify our lives. And spending less will free you to give more and to make a greater impact in others', in others lives. Our family has put this into practice this year. And I cannot even begin to tell you the significant difference it has made for us. We started by just saying, this is the dollar amount that we're going to spend. And that's it. Then we told our kids, we said, we don't want anything from you as a gift other than some of your time. And then our biggest budget item, our biggest envelope, is our generosity envelope. And man, has that been fun. It has been incredible to be able to seek and to bless others. And so this Christmas... At least at the Thulin household, there's probably not going to be as many presents under the tree. But I can tell you that we have experienced far more joy already than any gift can ever provide. And friends, if we spend less, we can give more. And I love how Mark just, just laid out that challenge to us. That if we do that, just imagine that the end of next Sunday, 12000 $500 is, is raised. That means $25,000 goes to feed children. I love that. Love that. And now I want us all to take a step back for just one second here. And I want you to think about somebody that you haven't got a gift for yet. So have that person in mind. I don't know why you haven't got it. Maybe you haven't had time. Maybe because you don't know what to get that person. But instead of going out and getting them something probably meaningless and wrapping it up and they'll gift it to somebody else. Instead of doing that, what if you went and you went to the store and you got a card? Or even better than that, what if you made a card? And your gift to them would be giving a gift to Africa New Life in their name. And that in that card, you just take a moment to, to write a word of encouragement and that this is the gift that you're giving to them. My hope is for us is that each of us will make changes in our life 
this Christmas, we still have two weeks. It doesn't mean you got to wait till next Christmas. That will enable us to be more generous and that will enable us to enjoy the season for what we're called to, to celebrate that God came to be with us. And so again, during this conspiracy, we're asking you to spend less, but we're not asking that you give less. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. When God gave his son, he made a way for you and I to be restored into a right relationship with him. So again, the challenge is spend less. Spend less time rushing around. Spend less time searching for that gift. And what if this Christmas you give the gift of yourself just as God gave the gift of himself? Let's pray.